Welcome to worship with Dawson Memorial Baptist Church. At Dawson, we seek to be found faithful as God's people as we become and help others become faithful servants of Jesus Christ. Now join us as we worship God through the teaching of His Word in today's message. Church, as we continue to worship this morning, I'm going to encourage you to take your copy of God's Word. Turn with me to the book of Acts, the Acts of the Apostles. For those of you that are using one of our Pew Bibles, you're going to turn to page 909 this morning. That's going to get you to Acts chapter 1. We'll be in Acts 1, verses 1 through 11. We're going to preach through the book of Acts over the course of two years, but not all of the two years will be, I'll be in the book of Acts. Uh, I will preach through the book of Acts this semester as we move toward the summer. We will pause the beginning of the summer and then we'll take back up the rest of the book of Acts next year, starting in January of 2025. And we will pause and complete that at the summer of 2025. Now the question might be is like sort of why Acts? Why Acts, why now? 66 books of the Bible, why do we choose the book of Acts to guide us for this strategic season in the life of our church? A lot of ways I could answer that. I think one of the ways I answer that is, is that when I meet people for the first time, maybe like I was Friday night, I was at Mountain Brook High School, I was at a wrestling tournament, I'm sitting next to some people, we're making small talk, they find out that I'm one of the pastors at Dawson. So two questions are asked of me that oftentimes are asked of me in that kind of place. If you, if you meet a pastor in the wild, what are safe <laughs> questions to ask? Well, it seems to me that one of the questions is, well, what's the membership of Dawson? So that'll be a question that we come around to. The question that was asked to me recently was, and I get this often, is how old is Dawson? How old is the church? Now, there's a technical answer to this. Our church is 99 years old. We'll come up on our 100-year anniversary in uh, next year, 2025, and we'll be celebrating that in some wonderful ways in 2025. Technically, we're 99 years old. Theologically, we're 2,000 years old, though. Now, I never tell someone that we're 2,000 years old because they just look at me really weird when I say that. And so it's weird enough to meet a pastor out in the wild. So I try to, I try to hold that back here. But it is true that theologically speaking, our roots go way past 99 years as the people of God. Now this church, Dawson, 99 years, but theologically we are a part of something that has its roots in the foundation of the Acts of the Apostles that goes back approximately 2,000 years ago. And so when we study the book of Acts, we're studying not someone else's history, we're studying our history, our foundation, our roots, the same Spirit of God that is empowering the people of God is the same spirit of God that is at work even today. So this is not dull, dry, dusty, remote, academic study of some ancient history. You take a Western Civ class, you take a US history class, you take a European history class, you're gonna study thousands of names, hundreds of places, you're gonna span centuries, you're gonna span this times, but here we got 30 years. The Acts of the Apostles, 30 years that absolutely revolutionized the world. 
And that same spirit that inspired them is the same spirit that is moving us 30 years. We can get our mind around 30 years. We can get our mind around the characters that are at play in the book of Acts, which is our story, our great, 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 add 20, 21, 22, approximately that many greats before your great grandparents of the faith, and you're getting back to the roots of our faith and the book of Acts here. I love the way the commentator Michael Green says three crucial decades in world history. That's all it took. In the years between AD 33 and AD 64, a new movement was born in those 30 years. They got sufficient growth and credibility to become the largest religion the world has ever seen and to change the lives of hundreds of millions of people. It has spread into every corner of the globe and has more than 2 billion adherents. It has an indelible impact upon civilization, on culture, on education, on medicine, on freedom, and on, of course, on the lives of countless people worldwide. That's why we're here this morning. What started with this small sect of Jewish people, men and women, has spread far beyond Jerusalem. And here we are over 2,000 years later, worshiping, approximately 2,000 years later, worshiping in the seedbed for all of this. The time when it took decisive root was in these three decades. It all began with a dozen men and a handful of women, and the spirit came. It's not dull, it's not dry, it's not dusty and removed and remote. It is our story, it is our heritage. So hear the word of the Lord, how it all began in Acts chapter one, starting in verse one, we read in the first book, O Theophilus, I have dealt with all that Jesus began to do and teach until the day when he was taken up after he had given commands to the Holy Spirit to the apostles whom he had chosen. He presented himself alive to them after his suffering by many proofs, appearing to them during 40 days and speaking about the kingdom of God. And while staying with them, he ordered them to not depart from Jerusalem, but to wait for the promise of the Father, which he said, you have heard from me, for John baptized with water, but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. So when they had come together, they asked him, Lord, will you at this time restore the kingdom to Israel? Jesus said to them, it's not for you to know times or seasons that the Father has fixed by his own authority, but you will receive power. You will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you and you will be my witnesses where? In Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. And when Jesus said these things as they were looking, that being the disciples own, he was lifted up and a cloud took him out of their sight. And while they were gazing into heaven as he went, behold, two men, angels of the Lord, stood very there by them in white robes and said, men of Galilee, why do you stand looking into heaven? This Jesus who was taken up from you into heaven will come in the same way as you saw him go into heaven. Get busy. 
Here's the word of the Lord to us, three truths I want us to see so clearly embedded in the very seedbed of our faith this morning, our history as the people of God. The first is the foundation of Christ's church. Let's get our bearing straight here. Who's the author of the book of Acts? It is designated Luke. Who is Luke? There's a couple things that we know from 2 Timothy chapter 4, something that we know from Colossians chapter 4. Luke is first, well, he is a companion to Paul. Not the whole of Paul's ministry, but some of Paul's ministry, Luke is a companion. He's side by side. Some of the things that Luke is detailing here are things that he saw with his own eyes. He's not of Jewish descent. He's not of Jewish ethnicity. He's a Gentile. He's a physician. He is writing a, well, an account, a history inspired by the Spirit. And this is not the first time that he has taken up pen to write empowered by the Spirit. This, my friends, is a sequel. There's a gospel that bears the name of this very Luke. In the first three verses here, we realize that Luke has given us, well, he's given us a previously in the gospel of Luke. Some of you over the Christmas break, some of you over the New Year's break, you're catching up on some of your Netflix shows. And at the very outset of it, you have this sort of 10 second, 20 second montage that catches you up, especially if it's been days or weeks since you saw the previous episode. And so Luke says, previously in my gospel, unless you haven't seen this nor read this, this is what happened. Jesus lived, he taught, he died, he was buried, he was raised, he ascended to the uh, right hand throne of the father. But before he did this, he walked in the midst of the disciples and for 40 days, he taught them about the kingdom of God. And he did that by drawing upon the very Old Testament and giving them a 40-day crash course in hermeneutics, which is the study and interpretation of scripture. He showed them in 40 days how Isaiah points to Jesus, how the Psalms point to Jesus, how Ezekiel points to Jesus, how Genesis points to Jesus. He showed them how to dust for the fingerprints of Jesus in the Old Testament and to see how the story of the Old Testament culminates in the ministry of Jesus and the teaching of Jesus and the crucifixion of Jesus, resurrection, and now he is saying, now let me tell you what happened after Jesus ascended. So we have a sequel which is in this moment here, the foundation of Christ's church being the word of God in Jesus and the word of God in the scripture. Notice also verses four through five, the foundation, not just the foundation, but the empowerment of Christ's church. Notice in this passage here, Jesus says to the disciples, what? Go, get busy. No, he says, wait in Jerusalem for what? The Holy Spirit. He's wetting their appetites. Jesus in this moment has given these apostles, these disciples, a preview of coming attractions. He, we're, gonna, we're gonna read about this in Acts chapter two. It won't be long before we're at the day of Pentecost when the spirit descends upon those apostles and the power for the church comes full force there upon them. And what Jesus is saying is, is you're not enough. What you've seen is not enough. You need something more. You need the electricity, the power of the spirit for the mission that is before you here. You will have the word of God, but you need the spirit of God so that you can be the people of God on mission for God. 
And it's a good word for us to hear. To hear the pillars here, the word of God, the spirit of God, right there in those early verses of the book of Acts. There's a temptation for every church. Every church will feel this temptation. They feel the temptation in the second century and they feel the temptation in the 21st century to think that the secret of the word of God going in to the people in whatever community is based upon our marketing strategies and our gimmicks. And if we could take the best of business practices and distill them into some principles, then that's the secret sauce for the church to grow. Now, business practices, marketing schemes, can the church learn some things? Of course. Are those essential? No. You know, what, you know what is essential for life transformation? You know what's essential for your marriages to be restored? You know what is essential for you to look more like Jesus Christ in the 21st century in the year of our Lord 2024? It is the word of God empowered by the spirit of God in your life. That's what's essential. That's what you can't live without. It is you trusting in the spirit to empower you through the weeds and the difficulty of life. When I was in the fourth grade, I decided I was gonna be a little entrepreneurial in my, in my pursuits one summer and I went to all my neighbors and I said, hey, can I cut your grass? One of my uh, neighbors that was just right next door to me said, of course, David, here you can cut your grass. I go to get my mower. He said, no, don't use your mower. You can use my mower. He pulls it out of his garage and off I go, going up the hills, down the hills, cutting his grass. He comes out about 30 minutes and he waves his hand and he says, David, why are you working so hard? Why are you sweating so much? Well, it's July in Mississippi, that's why. <laughs> no, no, no. He took me over to his, his mower and he says, here, do you see this lever right here? All you have to do is squeeze this down and this, David, is a self-propelled mower. And the hallelujah course came up. <laughs> well, my mower, I, I didn't I had a push mower. I didn't know that all I had to do to access the power of that mower was to squeeze down that lever and there would be a power that was inherent in that very mower that would go before me. And there are some Christians in this room that have the power of the Spirit of God that dwells in them. But through prayerlessness, we are living well, we're living push mower lives is what we're living. We're trying to push through the difficulties of life. We're trying to do it all in our strength. We have the spirit of God that lives in us, but we live as if we're functionally atheists. If, if all of our parenting depends upon us, our intellect, our ingenuity, our consistency, our commitment. There's some of us that are in this very sanctuary this morning that we have some real weeds in our life that are before us and we're pushing through them and we're saying, maybe I can do this, maybe I can do this. And the very spirit of God is saying, will you trust me to propel you, to empower you through the weeds and the difficulty of life? There's some of you that know what it is to face difficulties in your workplace and you're facing those in your own strength, in your own power. And my friends, it is not enough. It wasn't enough 2,000 years ago. 
It is not enough. Your commitment is not enough. Your consistency is not enough. Your intellect is not enough. Your best laid plans, all the new year, new me, self-motivation, it is not enough if we do not access the very power of God that dwells in us, that actually produces lasting fruit, lasting change. Leonard Ravenhill so powerfully reminds us of this. When he said decades ago, no man is greater than his prayer life. The pastor who is not praying is playing. The people who are not praying are straying. Well, we have many organizers, but few agonizers, many players and payers, few prayers, many singers, few clingers, lots of pastors, few wrestlers, many fears, few tears, much fashion, little passion, many, many interferers, few intercessors, many writers, but few fighters. Failing here, we fell everywhere. The empowerment of Christ's church is the spirit of God. And the fuel and power for your life is the dependency and trust in the spirit of God. He has not called you to do this alone. His very power is in you to lead you and to guide you to look more like his son and our savior. Why are you living a push mower life when the very fuel and power of the Spirit of God you have access to. Jesus told his disciples a lesson that we should never tire of hearing. Apart from me, you can do nothing. But here's the thing. There are a lot of things in life we try to do without him. Will this year be a year that you do it on your own? Is this year a year that you'll parent on your own? Is this a year that you'll work on your own? Is this a year that you will come through the difficulties alone? It need not be. The Spirit of God was the power for Christ's church then and is the power for Christ's church today. It is the power for the Christian then and the power for the Christian now. The foundation of Christ's church. I want us to see the empowerment but finally this morning, I want us to see the mission of Christ's church because this is going to play out over the course of 28 chapters and he's just whetting our appetite for a preview of coming attractions of what it lies ahead for us. Verse six, the disciples ask a logical question to Jesus and this is their question. Lord, are you at this time going to restore the kingdom of Israel? You know what they're asking of Jesus? Are you going to kick out the Romans? That's what they're asking. Are you going to take these invaders, these foreigners, and are you going to kick them out? Because, boy, you've got a story to tell. On Friday, a few weeks back, you were crucified. Now you're resurrected and you're with us. What would it look like for you to go to the, to the very seat of power and to knock on the door and say, remember me? I'm back. Can't keep a good man down. All those things. But Jesus is not interested in that. They want a political messiah. They want someone to overthrow the powers at be in that first century world. And Jesus says, no, I'm, I'm going up. 
I'm going to ascend to the Father here. And when I'm coming back, it is not for you to know the time or the hour here. He says, I've got a calling for you. And that's not to predict the when of my second coming, but it is to be about proclaiming my first coming. You are called to be witnesses now. Now we hear that word, especially if you've grown up in the church, be a witness, witnessing and it becomes a word that has, well, it becomes sort of a, a Christianese is what it becomes. We lose the power of the word here. But understand in that first century world, to hear that word, be my witness, was a word for a herald, an ambassador. King, a new king comes to the throne. And you don't have a fax machine. You, you don't have the Birmingham News to announce this. You don't have the Wall Street Journal, the New York Times. You don't turn on CNN 2000 years ago or Fox News. You know what? You would have ambassadors, heralds. You would have witnesses that were empowered by the king to go through all of the territory, all of the kingdom to announce to the citizens, there is a new king on the throne. And what Jesus is saying to the apostles is, is that you have a message and that is the message of my kingly reign over your life. And just as the apostles were commissioned with that calling to be his witnesses, so we are commissioned with the calling to say, what does it look like for the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords to rule over our life today, now? And what does it look like for us to proclaim that that same king that lives in our heart through the spirit desires to save and to reign and our neighbors, our coworkers, well, frankly, all of Jerusalem and Judea and Samaria and the uttermost parts of the earth. Now, it's interesting that Jesus gives us those locales. There's wealth of meaning to these four places here. One is you need to understand that this is a table of contents, that when Jesus says, go into Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and the uttermost parts of the earth, he is previewing the way that Luke's Acts of the Apostle is going to be, well, it's going to be laid out. So Acts chapter one through seven, you know what it is? It's the Jerusalem section. Picking up in chapter eight through verse, uh, chapter 12, it is the Judea and Samaria section. Chapter 13 and beyond, 2,000 years beyond, it is the uttermost parts of the earth. It's one of the reasons that we're gathered here in Birmingham is because the gospel wasn't contained to just a small group of people living in Jerusalem 2,000 years ago. And of course, there's a geographical power to this. He's saying, hey, don't let this message just become a holy huddle just for all the Jewish people. You need to take this beyond Jerusalem. You need to take this into Judea and all of the Jewish apostles would have said to Jesus, amen, amen. And then he says, and go into Samaria. And then <clears throat> they start coughing. Samaria? All you gotta do is go back to John chapter four, the woman at the well, all of the prejudice toward the Samaritans. The Jewish people thought of the Samaritans as half-breeds politically divided, racially, ethnically mixed in their mind. You know what Jesus is saying is, he is saying, I want you to take this message and it's never intended just to be for people that look like you, think like you, have the same religious background as you, but you are to take it, you're to take it past every social, uh, socioeconomic barrier. You're to take it to, uh, across the tracks. 
And there have always been tracks, even 2,000 years ago. And Jesus is calling the church to always press, always press beyond our local to a global call. That's not just geographical, but that is sociological here. And notice that Jesus doesn't say, some of you are going to be Jerusalem Christians and some of you are gonna be Samaria Christians and some of you are gonna be Judea Christians. It's not a choose your own adventure. Some of you are old enough to remember that series of books. I loved them when I was growing up. Third grade, fourth grade, when I was out there building my um, grass cutting empire, I would go also to the local library and I would go and check out these choose your own adventure books. Do you remember these? I mean, one book could have seven different ways that it would end. You're searching after this hidden treasure. You come to page 22 and there's this dark alley that you have to go into. And then you have this fork before you. You could go down the dark alley by yourself. If you do that, you turn to page 34 or you can turn around, go back home, regroup, bring a friend, turn to page 35 and depending upon what you chose, the story would end up going in a different direction. And sometimes we take Acts chapter one, verse 80, and we make it out to a choose your own adventure. I'm, gonna, I'm going to be an individual who just focuses in my prayer life, in my giving upon Birmingham. But Jesus says, no, 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 no. It's not a choose your own adventure. It always leads you beyond. Or some churches say, hey, we're gonna miss the exit ramp for our local context while we're getting to the uttermost parts of the earth. And Jesus says, no, you've got a calling here locally. It is not either or, it is both and. It is Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and the uttermost parts of the earth. And that's why when you go onto our website as a church and you go to the Dawson Missions page, you see the variety of ways that you can be in the game of serving here locally and also globally. All of us are called to this. What this looks like is going to be different for each of us. We as a church have a calling to Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, the uttermost parts of the earth. We as Christians have a commitment to pray. We have a commitment to give. We have a commitment to go as the Lord enables us and calls us. And so you can go to the local missions page and you'll see all of these ways that you can get involved in what God is doing in our church and through our church right here in 35209. Also, you can go to the global page and see in the year of 2024, ways that we're going to serve as a church with mission partners, men and women, some of which used to sit in these very pews and were called from our own life groups to serve in places that we can't even put the country on the website because of the difficulty of where they're serving. And there are many of you in this room that have been mobilized through the giving of this church and the praying of this church to serve alongside of them. And it is a tremendous encouragement. And as you look at that page, you'll see national opportunities and global opportunities. And not this next Sunday, but the Sunday after that, if you look in your bulletin, right in the front of your bulletin, the center, you'll see a missions luncheon that we're gonna have with all the details. We're gonna serve you lunch to be able to inform you of how you can pray about where God is calling you to serve in 2024. All of us have a calling to Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, the uttermost parts of the earth. 
All of us are called to pray strategically. All of us are called to give strategically. And as you give to this church, millions of dollars that are given uh, leave the walls of this church. Why? Because of this calling that is placed upon us. This afternoon, you can watch football. Surprise, surprise. Fall, or excuse me, it's, uh, we're not in the fall. We're in the winter football season. 325 this afternoon, you can watch the Kansas City Chiefs play the San Diego Chargers. And if you watch the Chiefs and the Chargers play, approximately, you are going to hear the announcers approximately 47 times pan away from the field to one person who is sitting in a suite next to the mother of one of the players who is on the Kansas City Chiefs. And so you will see the announcers talk a lot about the, the global superstar Taylor Swift who is watching her boyfriend, the starting tight end, Travis Kelsey, play the Chargers this afternoon. And when he misses a ball, as he goes into a route, as he scores a touchdown, the cameramen will, will get, and the camera women will get the, the precise reaction as she's sitting next to the wife of Patrick Mahomes, and they are going to play it, and they're going to play it. Now, what would be really surprising to all of us, none of that's going to be surprising. Millions upon millions of people are watching the Kansas City Chiefs that never would watch them, lest it for the relationship between Taylor Swift and Travis Kelsey. But I tell you what would be surprising, if right before halftime, the, the Chiefs have it in the red zone and you see Taylor Swift and you see her sitting next to Donna Kelsey, but in the middle of the game, if they pan back to that suite and you see the starting tight end, Travis Kelsey, sitting next to his girlfriend, Taylor Swift, you should be surprised. You know who else would be surprised? The coaches would be surprised. <laughs> if we come to the fourth quarter and it's a really close game, and the Chiefs have the ball and they pan away from the action on the field and you get to Taylor Swift and all of a sudden you see Travis Kelsey with his pads on and his jersey on and he's got his arm around Taylor Swift. You should be surprised. I, I, I wonder how often God pans to the field that he has called us to to be witnesses for him and we've got the jersey of Christianity upon. We are clothed in the righteousness of Christ, but we are not on the field. We're in the suite, in the stands, watching the game that others we feel are called to play. God is calling you in 2024. He's calling you in every year to not just be a spectator, to not just be a fan, but to be in the middle of the game that he has been leading for 2,000 years. And the baton is passed to us to be found faithful as God's people. What will that look like for your life this year? What will that look like for your family this year? I tell you what it won't look like is you dressed out watching from the stands. 
Until next time, may the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you all.